Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to have you on this episode because this is one of the most hyped up and most anticipated episodes we've done on the Everyday Ultra Podcast, and quite frankly, one of the most important topics that we've talked about, and that is hydration and electrolyte strategy. Hydration is one of the most important, you know, I wouldn't say the most important because the most important is building fitness, but one of the most important aspects that you need to nail down in order to really train successfully and also race successfully in your ultra marathons because lack of hydration and dehydration really have serious implications for your training and performance when you're out there. And I'll kind of go through the studies and the science and everything like that, but just know that having a good hydration strategy is essential. And that means getting down your water intake right, getting down your electrolyte strategy right, and not just winging it and having a disciplined plan. And we're going to tell you all about how to do this in this episode based on science, based on you know, uh, research and everything like that. So you have everything squared away to master your hydration and nutrition strategy. Um, before we dive in, I do want to give you two free things, and then also point you in the direction of an awesome resource as well. So the first free thing is if you love ultra training tips, which if you're listening to this podcast, you already do. Um, I want to give you even more ultra training tips for free delivered into your inbox every single week. So this is going to be training tips straight to the bone, no fluff. This is going to be actionable stuff that you can implement in your ultra marathon training, totally for free delivered in your inbox. There's no catch for this. Again, it's just free information. So if you want more ultra training tips in your inbox every single week, um, head to the show notes and go to the everyday ultra newsletter which will be launching um, very, very soon where we'll be delivering actionable tips to make you a better endurance athlete every single day in your inbox. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want to give you something for free. And this is something that I've been using in my training um, very, very recently, which is awesome. And actually relates to the conversation today about electrolytes and hydration. So as a runner, I personally love a great cup of coffee in the morning. Um, but as I continue training for Havelina 100, I've realized how depleting average coffee is. And it makes me not feel as hydrated, you know, as I would like to be. And so what's super cool, I recently made the switch to long run coffee, which is an electrolyte infused coffee for athletes. And almost immediately after switching to it, my runs have felt more powerful. Plus their formula is pH basic. So it sits well in my stomach before training. I used to drink coffee, regular coffee before runs and I would get this like acidic feeling and just not feeling great. And But then when I go to long run coffee, it tastes even better. The cool thing is long run coffee is now my go-to drink in the morning. And I no longer need to chug water first thing in the morning to feel hydrated on my run because it's in the coffee itself. And the best part, the coffee tastes super smooth and the electrolytes make the coffee's natural caffeine more bioavailable. Who doesn't love more caffeine to get pumped up into your runs, right? And I've actually teamed up with long run coffee to let the everyday ultra community try it out for free. So all you need to to do is head to longruncoffee.com slash joe or go to the link in the show notes and you can try long run coffee totally for free again no catch we're giving you this coffee for free it's a delicious it's amazing it'll keep you hydrated on the runs and if you love coffee 
I mean, why the heck not, right? So head to the link in the show notes or go to longruncoffee.com slash Joe to try for free. Now, the third thing real quick too, if you're looking for a training plan for your next ultra marathon, right, and you're looking to do a 50K or even, you know, a 100 miler or 50 miler, and you're looking for a training plan that's going to help to fit your needs and goals and everything like that, um, I recommend going to, I recommend using Zach Bitter's pre-made training plans as a way if you want something pre-made and ready to go for you. Um, it's on his website at zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans also in the show notes as well. Um, I've been working with Zach as my coach for almost two years now, and he helped me go from an average runner to um, ultimately progressing into placing top 10 male at Havelina 100, and his training uh, plans are just amazing. So definitely feel free to check them out. Um, Link in the show notes if you're looking for a training plan for your next ultra marathon. All right, so that's all the housekeeping items here. Now let's dive into the episode, um, talking about hydration and electrolyte strategies and how you can nail it down. Now, before we dive into this, it's I want to also explain why it's crucially important to have a great hydration strategy when you're training and racing in your ultra marathons, right? The obvious answer that comes to mind is yes, of course, when you're dehydrated, you are going to perform worse. Yes, that is obvious, but I think it's important to understand why you perform less because when I understood why dehydration really, really affects performance, it allowed me to put more stake in the game and really get serious on my hydration strategy. And I'll give you kind of like a, you know, insight into, you know, why I got so passionate about hydration and electrolyte consumption is when I ran Havelina 100 last year. So it's almost a year from this recording. I, I ran it last year and I felt great for the beginning half of the race. And I never felt hot throughout the race, but I did start to get some pretty serious muscle soreness and some fatigue, muscular fatigue, not really mental fatigue, but muscular fatigue throughout the race. And it really, really dragged me down. And I thought that I had a great hydration strategy. I thought that, you know, I was doing really, really well, like just from a nutrition standpoint. And I never had GI issues and I never felt dehydrated. But after doing some tests with my with my own coach, like I started to realize, oh my gosh, like I'm actually dehydrated, not only at Havelina 100, but pretty much every single run that I've ever done um, previously leading up to Havelina 100. And honestly, until um, I really started to dive into the studies and the data and how to really just measure your fluids and everything like that. So it only came to a point when I started to realize this methodology on how you can dial down your nutrition strategy, or sorry, your hydration strategy in a way that is going to ultimately make you feel better on your runs. It's ultimately going to allow you to recover better and it's going to allow you to perform better out there. And when I made this tweak, not only was I able to feel better on my runs, but I was able to sustain an average pace that was much quicker than what I used to be able to sustain. I found my recovery time was improving much better. And ultimately, I felt my aerobic endurance during my long runs were actually improving as well. So it's super, super cool to see that just like a simple shift in hydration strategy can have massive impacts on your training. Now, just to give you some insight, right? So there was a um, some research that was done you know, uh, back in uh, 1999, 2000, and 2007 that showed the effect of body water loss percentage and what the effects of an ultra runner are. So I'll just kind of read some numbers here, right? So um, if you're losing about 0.5% of your body water, that's actually going to lead to an increased strain on your heart. And as you know, just intuitively, if you have an increased strain on your heart, your heart rate's going to rise. And if your heart rate rises, your body's going to kind of go into whack. Once you move to a 1% body water loss, you have reduced aerobic endurance. And aerobic 
aerobic endurance is that engine that you need to really be able to sustainably, you know, go, uh, you know, for a long distance when you're running. So that gets compromised. Once you get to 3% body water loss, now you have reduced muscular endurance. And this is, I think, what I was facing last year at Havilene 100 when my muscles got sore. I was a little dehydrated and my muscles couldn't really handle the running as much. And so they started to get sore. Once you move up to a 4% body water loss, not only do you have reduced muscular endurance, but now you have reduced muscular strength, and then you also have reduced fine motor skills, and you can actually have some heat cramps in there as well. Um, I'm sure like many times, you know, uh, I know in early, early, early on in my ultra career, I would say like, like this is four years ago at this point, I would always cramp up in the heat because I just wasn't having a good hydration strategy down, right? So that's something in there as well. Once you get to 5% body, uh, body water loss, heat exhaustion, cramping, insane fatigue and reduced mental capacity comes into it as well and studies show when you do have reduced mental capacity you actually have a reduced ability to do hard things or to handle hard difficulties that's not something we want and then once you get to six percent it's just you're purely exhausted and there's risk of heat stroke and passing out so we don't want that as well and now i know these numbers might sound a little extreme you can ultimately, you know, actually swing up to these things if you're not taking care of your body and replenishing your body with the amount of water. So the reason why I say this again, it sounds really, really obvious to say like hydration is a key to maintaining performance. But I also wanted to just explain the why and why it's so important on that thing. So it does lead to reduced aerobic endurance, muscular endurance, muscular strength, motor skills, all those kind of things. And you want to avoid that by having a great hydration strategy. Also on the recovery side as well, hydration is really, really important because what hydration does when you do have enough water inside of your muscles it actually lubricates the fascia and if you're unfamiliar with what the fascia is the way that I always think about it is if you're taking a piece of chicken and you're like peeling off the skin on the chicken you kind of see that like white foamy like layer over like the actual like piece of meat um, we have that in our bodies too and that is the fascia and that fascia allows your muscles to move around sustainably it allows you to you know be fluid and what happens is when you drink water it actually lubricates that fascia in a way where you can actually move your muscle much more you know uh, cleanly so to say much more fluid um, if you don't have that lubricated due to dehydrated and not, you know, taking in enough fluids, what's going to happen is that fascia is going to get tighter and tighter and it's going to be harder to move your muscles. And when it's harder to move your muscles, you're compromising things a little bit more. There's a risk of injury. You're not going to feel great. You're not going to feel strong. And we don't want any of that. So it goes beyond performance. It also goes into recovery as well. So I say all this to say, like, you know, I really, really think hydration and electrolyte strategies and so and so important and so never feel afraid when you're on your runs to ever carry extra water or to carry a bladder or to carry like a big handheld right because sometimes you know it can be look look sexy to you know not have all this water apparatus with you and you know you might get judged for like having a bladder or anything I'm here to tell you that you know fuck all that noise like you do not uh, need to care about all that at all because in the end of the day the person who's just going out with one handheld versus you going out with the bladder on a hot day on a very long run you're going to feel a lot better than that person with just that handheld out there. I promise you that if you're going for the same amount of, you know, distance out there. So, um, I'm going to be the first one to say like, you know, I've even run with a bladder and like as someone who is striving to be at the elite level, like that is, you know, not always seen upon, but when I'm out there on the Havilene hundred course, uh, not during the race because there's good aid stations, but when I go and practice on my own, I always have a bladder out there just to make sure I'm getting in enough water. So 
I say all this to stress the importance of, you know, hydration and everything like that and why it's so, so important to have that in there. Now, I'm going to give you a game-changing test. Like this, when I think about all of the different things that I've tweaked in my ultra-running strategy over the past year, this has been the biggest game-changer besides increasing my fitness. And now, I want to just stress that to say, when you're thinking about improving things in your ultra running training the number one thing you always want to optimize to increase is your fitness fitness is king that is the number one thing once you have your fitness down the next thing is you know really i I would suggest dialing your hydration and electrolyte strategy and this test to really get a sense of how much water your body is losing is going to ultimately change the game it changed the game for me and it'll change the game for you. And that is performing a sweat loss test. Now, what a sweat loss test is, is essentially it will measure how much water your body is losing on a given hour of running. And so that way you get to ultimately um, build a hydration strategy that's personally tailored to you in a way that's going to make sure you're getting in enough fluids. And I'll kind of go through the example for me and why I came to the conclusion of, wow, I'm getting dehydrated. Um, And so this sweat loss test is gonna be a game changer. The best part, It's totally free to do, doesn't cost anything, you can do it at your home, and there's no additional cost required. So, I mean, a game-changing tool that's totally free, I mean, hell yeah, sign me up, right? So, um, we're going to dive into what the sweat test is. So, here is how you run a sweat test, and I even think before I go into the hydration strategies and everything, everyone should be performing a sweat test. So here is what I would suggest. And this is also too, let me just say, if you're performing in a very hot race, like a Javelina 100, um, like Coca Dona in the beginning of the you know race, it's pretty hot, or any kind of summer race where it's gonna have pretty high temperatures, I think a sweat test is an absolute must. Absolute, absolute, absolute must. So you can really make sure to have the hydration and nutrition strategy because the hotter it is, the more water you're gonna lose and the more electrolytes you're gonna need to replenish on. We'll go all into the numbers later, but just know that this sweat test is important. Okay. Now, what is the actual sweat test? So here is what the sweat test is. So the sweat rate test, what you're going to want to do is first and foremost, you're going to want to do this on a day where you have an hour run, an hour uh, easy run, right? So um, I always say like, you know, one that you're doing in like an all day pace. Um, So if I'm like looking at a um, perceived effort basis on a scale of one to 10, I would say it feels like a two to three. So it's pretty, pretty easy to do. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to weigh yourself naked before your run, weigh yourself naked before the run and take note of that weight. Then what you're going to want to do is run for for an hour at that two to three RPE intensity, I would say ideally in the hottest part of the day. If not, no worries, just note the temperature uh, in the day. I would consider doing sometime when it's warm because then you get to see the effect of what that warm temperature has in your body. Now run it for an hour. Ideally, um, I would say, you know, if you possibly can, um, do not have water on this run. Um, if you do have water on the run, just make note of how many ounces that you consume. Um, so doesn't matter if you have you know less water. I just think less water makes it easy from just a calculation percentage. Um, but if you do have water, just make sure to note how many ounces that you take in. After the run, you're going to want to weigh yourself nude again, directly after the run. And what you're going to want to do is notice the changes in your weight from pre-run to post-run. And then what you're going to want to do is subtract that um, uh, pre-run number by your post-run number, and chances are 
pretty, pretty high that your pre-run weight is going to be more than your post-run weight. That difference in pounds is going to equate to how many ounces that you're likely losing in a given hour on the run. And the, the um, conversion that you're going to want to do is one pound is equal to 16 ounces of water. One pound is equal to 16 ounces of water. Now, this is going to equate to your hourly sweat rate for the given temperature that you went out and ran at on that day. So if you ran at a 90 degree temperature day, then you know if you measure it and you see that you've lost three pounds on your run, then you know three times 16, as I'm pulling up my calculator here because I'm terrible at mental math, three times 16 is 48. So you're losing 48 ounces um, every single hour at 90 degrees, right? Now notice this is gonna change varying on the temperatures, right? And obviously the lower the temperature, the less water you're gonna lose, the higher the temperature, the more water you're gonna lose. So just noting what that given uh, temperature and the fluid loss is, is going to have in there as well. Now I will say, if you did consume water on your run, you're going to want to add back the fluids that you replenish. So let's just say, um, in that same example, you lost 48 pounds, um, or sorry, 48 pounds, geez, that would be crazy on one run, 48 ounces in your run, run and then um, but you did consume um, you know one liter of water what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to um, add in the 16 ounces and then you actually lost 64 um, ounces of water you know in the, in the matter of an hour so I would say like it sounds like extreme like wow three pounds like two pounds like that sounds like a lot but I'll give you an example of my sweat rate test so I did a test out here in 88 degrees which is pretty normal temperature for like hobbling 100 of what I'm racing at and in 88 degrees and mind you it was an overcast day so the sun wasn't even blazing out but it was 88 degrees um, but I lost an equivalent of 1.5 liters an hour of water just by doing that like how crazy is that and so like when I told you earlier in the episode that I um, was running every single run that I've ever done dehydrated. I'd never got to the point where I was even drinking like a liter an hour or I should say like, you know, anything like that. Like it was, it was really, really tough for me to um, get that down. So I was doing, um, I think at Havelina 100 last year, my water consumption was 21 ounces an hour, 21 ounces an hour. That is like not even close to a liter. So I was just extremely dehydrated and I wondered why my performance suffered so much. And that was the reason why, or one of the many reasons why, right? So um, that was a big, big game changer for here. Now, once you've noticed your uh, fluid loss rate, right, and how many fluids you lost, let's just stick with the example and say we were losing 48 ounces an hour. The goal right now is not to replace 100% of the fluids that you are losing in that thing. That's a common misconception. And here's the reason why you don't want to do that. The reason why you don't want to do that is because at most, our kidneys can really, really handle, for most people, anywhere between like one liter at max to, depending on like, this is personal, you know, um, just kind of body differences, like one, 1.25 liters, right? Um, if you start to go a little bit past that, what's going to happen is you actually risk something called hyponatremia, um, which we will talk about later, but basically it's overhydration. So if you've ever heard like the horror stories of people just drinking tons of water and then dying because they drink too much tons of water, that can actually happen. You actually like dilute your system, um, in there as well. And I'll talk about ways on how to avoid that, but a great way to avoid that is, 
you don't want to replace 100% of the fluids that you lose. You actually want to place around 90 to 95% of the fluids that you lose. So like for me, if I'm losing, you know, 1.5 an hour, um, 1.5 liters an hour of water, um, if I'm going 90% of that, I'm really just trying to get about, you know, 1.3 liters an hour. So just a little bit less than that where I'm not actually going to the full 1.5 um, because I just don't want to risk overhydration or hyponatremia. And then also too, like sometimes when you're replacing like that much and sometimes I've had some people come back to me and they say, hey, I'm losing two liters an hour. Like that is just absurd to try and just to to cram down every single um, mile. So I would say 90 to 95% too. If you do get to that kind of, um, you know, rate where you are just, um, uh, you know, at the point where it's like two liters, 90 to 95 will still be kind of ridiculous as well. So I would say like, at the most, you know, go anywhere from like 1.25 liters at your max. Um, it studies have shown that like a 2% um, dehydration rate, um, uh, dehydration level of 2% doesn't necessarily decrease performance, right? Um, there is a theory research uh, done by Dr. Noakes a while back, and his theory that a safe level of hydration um, is really individually based, but it can be anywhere from like one to two percent where it's going to be super safe to the platform where it's not going to ultimately um, affect your performance as well. Now, notice that the dehydration levels is different than the body water loss. Um, that's a whole different kind of calculation. But just know that like two percent dehydrated, you can still perform on well and not have to worry about performance. So the reason why I'm giving all these intricacies is because a lot of times when people do the sweat loss race test, they think right away, oh, I need to consume two liters an hour. Like, no, that's not the case. Um, again, I would probably consume consider doing 1.25 liters at the very maximum. Uh, and again, if you're just a little dehydrated, it's not going to drastically, uh, you know, plummet your performance, so to say. So um, do the sweat loss test that will totally just change the game. And what I would do too is like, note your sweat losses at different temperatures. And the reason why I say that is because if you're doing a race that spikes in temperatures, such as Havelina 100, where in the morning, you know, the, the temperature's cold. It's like high 40s. It's it's pretty frigid, at least for me. Like, that's that's frigid for me. I'm an Arizona boy, so that's cold for me. Um, but then during the middle of the day, it can get up to 90 degrees. So that's a big temperature swing. And so, like, your second and third loops of that race are going to feel hotter and you're going to actually sweat a lot more than you would in that morning thing. And so that's when like getting ahead of your hydration is going to be crucially important for Havelina 100 and then maintaining that throughout kind of the race. So again, just to kind of recap on there, um, the sweat loss test is going to be weighing yourself nude before the run, run for an hour at an easy intensity after the run, weigh yourself nude again, um, make sure to subtract your pre-run weight from your post-run weight. And then that's going to give you the difference in pounds. Um, one pound is going to be equal 16 ounces of fluid loss. Make sure to add in any fluids that you did consume during that uh, run. So if you did consume fluids, um, you know, let's just say you consume 16 ounces, add the 16 ounces on there. And ultimately that's going to give your um, approximate ounces that you lose every single hour. Now, remember the goal is to replace 90 to 95% of fluids lost. If you're going on the extreme of like two liters, um, I would suggest really not pushing it any uh, further than 1.25 just so you don't risk hyponatremia or overhydration like we don't want to do that as well. So that is, and I'm telling you, if you do this, like if you get nothing else from this podcast and you just implement that, you are going to ultimately, ultimately dramatically improve your performance. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel more hydrated. You're going to perform better. Your aerobic endurance is going to feel a lot stronger. Your muscles are going to feel like they're performing a lot better. You're going to recover a lot better. Um, that's just how I would suggest to really, really, um, 
really, really just dial in your hydration strategy. So you do that, it's going to change the game for your performance. I promise you that. So be sure to perform a fluid test in there and that will totally, totally just change your training. Now, once you've just gotten your hydration strategy down, then you want to think about electrolytes. Um, you don't just want to drink pure water out there. You want to make sure you're getting an electrolytes. And most times when it comes to endurance athletes, endurance athletes are taking in far less electrolytes than they think that they need. So a lot of these products like Noon or, um, you know, some of these other hydration products, and they're great. I'm not bashing them. But the problem is like a lot of the times with one serving with these things, they really only have anywhere from like 300 ish, you know, milligrams of sodium, sometimes less. And that quite frankly, isn't enough, especially if you're racing in a really, really hot race. In fact, studies show that on average, one pound of sweat is going to equal to 450 to 700 milligrams of sodium um, when you are losing that. So if we go back to the example, right, and I lost losing two pounds an hour, um, that can be anywhere from, you know, according to those numbers, that can be anywhere from, you know, 900 milligrams of sodium to 1400 milligrams of sodium. And that sounds absurd, but that actually is kind of the number you want to kind of ta like really target. Now, in strenuous exercise and heat, like where you're really, really going, that can actually be anywhere from 800 to 4,000 milligrams of sodium. Like that sounds nuts, um, and it is kind of nuts. And again, it all kind of varies on the person and how much of a salty sweater you are. Now, I'm not saying consume 4,000 milligrams of sodium an hour. I'm going to give you a baseline rule that you can really go out and just kind of test things out with it as well. Now, similar with overdoing it on the water, you don't want to overdo it on the salt as well because if you overdo it on the salt, again, that's going to lead to some complications and some very, very serious things that you don't want to run into. So you want to make sure that you are getting in electrolytes in a way that um, you know, you're know you not overdoing it, but you're getting in enough electrolytes in the body. Now, electrolytes in the body, sodium is you know something that is probably the most talked about and the most focused on, but just notice that electrolytes don't have to only just be sodium, right? There's also chloride, phosphate, calcium, uh, magnesium, potassium, bicarbonate. There's a whole different electrolytes as well, um, but the most extensive studies around ultra endurance really, really come into um, sodium. So sodium is what we're going to really, really focus on, and I would say it's the main one you're going to kind of focus on on there. So I would say, now I guess I would say, like, let's just go according to um, the International Society of Sports Nutrition um, regarding ultra running performance, um, where the recommendation is that they give. The recommendation that they give per hour, per hour is what you want to do is 500 to 700 milligrams of sodium per liter of fluid is recommended intake for per hour. So, for example... Right. If we're going on to my example, uh, and I need, and I, if I'm taking in a, a 1.25 liters um, of sodium, um, what I'm going to want to do is take in that number and just on average multiply that by 600, which is the medium on there. I want to take about like 750 milligrams on average an hour. Now, again, it could be more, it could be less. What I would suggest is start at the lower end on your runs and test this out. And if you still feel dehydrated, then you can bump it up to the higher end of that number, that 500 to 700 milligrams of sodium per liter of fluid it is recommended. If the 700 per liter isn't doing it, you might need um, a little bit more in there as well. So again, the high end of what the number I said is, is 700. So you're taking in about 875 milligrams of sodium an hour, um, which again, seems like a lot, but I know some people who, you know, they'll lose in like 900 milligrams of sodium an hour or 
if you listen to uh, one of the most recent episodes I did with Ryan Miller, where he talks about the Kawhi 5 I mean, his, I don't remember the exact sodium number off the top of the head. I believe it was over a thousand milligrams an hour he was taking in, um, but he did that doing an actual test. And I'll kind of talk about the actual test. Um, but again, I want to give the free solutions first. So I'm not, you know, just kind of peddling, you know, uh, a program that you have to pay for. And again, um, I'm not sponsored by, you know, any, uh, the company that I'm going to kind of talk about later. So I just want to just say that, but I'm going to give you the free tools first. So I would use that 500 to 700 milligrams per, per liter of fluid that you're intaking an hour to kind of test around it at first. And again, start at the low end of that, start at the 500 milligrams of sodium per liter per fluid. If you're still feeling dehydrated on runs, what I would do is bump it up by 100 on the next one. So bump it up to 600. And if the 600 is not doing it, bump it up to 700. Um, even if the 700 is not doing, you can probably go ahead and just try a little bit higher. Again, just be mindful of how your body's reacting and all those kind of things. Because once you get past like 700 uh, milligrams of sodium per liter per hour, um, you just want to monitor that to make sure you're not just totally over doing it. But again, 500 to 700 milligrams of sodium per liter of fluid um, that you are taking in every single hour. That's a recommendation by the International Society of Sports Nutrition. That's not the Joe methodology recommendation. That is the um, ISSN recommendation on there as well. Now, you can get extremely specific into how much actual sodium you're losing. Now, in full disclaimer, I haven't actually done this test personally. Haven't actually done this test, so, um, but I have heard um, a lot of my great friends use this service, and they say great things about it too as well. Um, I've also heard that, you know, the, the great things about the test too are also pretty closely similar to kind of the numbers and the metrics that I provided already in here, but if you really want to get super specific and dialed in and get some lab testing on how much sodium you're actually losing per hour, um, there's a company called Precision Nutrition where you can actually pay to go in and do some tests and they're actually going to tell you um, how much sodium you're losing in a given hour. So that way you get exactly specific on how much sodium that you're going to get in there as well. I think they also get super specific on the sweat loss test as well as a service. Again, I'm not 100% familiar with, with that, um, but Precision Nutrition is, or I think it's Precision Hydration, um, is kind of the division of company that does it. But that's a way where you can get super specific. I think it also is dependent on the area that you're in because you have to go into the lab and do it. I know here in Phoenix they have one and Colorado I think they have some locations as well. So it also might vary and depend on your location. And I'm sure there's other services out there that provide a similar thing. But just know that that's a way that you can get extremely specific in there as well. Now, again, just to recap that, um, I would go with um, taking how much uh, liters of fluid that you're taking in per hour, and then what you're going to want to do is um, you're going to want to take that 500 to 700 milligrams of sodium per hour, come up with a number, um, multiply that by how many liters you're taking in, and then test on the low end on your long runs, and then um, you know increase it if you like feel like you're still like a little dehydrated on the runs. My suggestion is when you're thinking about a training block, test these things as early as possible in your long runs because if you are on the low end and you need to start to tweak it to get to more sodium um, you're going to give yourself a little bit more leeway to do so and build the actual confidence where you can go out and deploy these strategies um, in your long runs to confidently say this is going to work for me on race day so do it as early in your training plan as possible now the way to really bulletproof this um, I would say like 
when you really, really want to get a good uh, hydration test down, um, test this on your long runs as if you were racing. So like getting in the exact amount of fluids that you're going to take in, the exact amount of sodium that you're going to take in. And I would say you really want to get the best test on this on one of your longest runs that you're doing in your training block. So usually like my guideline is saying like it's really, really hard to test a nutrition test for any run that's less than four hours. I would say like five hours is kind of like your magic sweet spot where you can really go and test a nutrition strategy to make sure it's not screwing up your stomach or anything like that or making sure it's sustainable. So that was, was what I would suggest is like on your five hour run, you really want to practice this strategy as much as possible and have that in there just so you can be a hundred percent sure on race day that this is going to be something that works for you. Now, for the remainder of the episode, I'm going to share other one-off hydration and electrolyte tips that you can use to also optimize your hydration and and electrolyte strategy on top of doing the sweat loss test, determining how much you're losing per hour, how much sodium you need per hour, and all that jazz as well. So the first thing, and I get a lot of questions on this, is like when, when I'm running, should I drink and take in liquids and electrolytes? Like what is the timing of it? Because there's a lot of things out there, right? There's a lot of things that say, hey, drink every every 15 minutes or some people say drink when you're thirsty and some people say hey you know when you're thirsty that means you're too late um really uh, a lot of the stuff just comes down to preference right it comes down to preference do you like to kind of just you know drink when you're thirsty do you like to spread out your drinking periods over uh, amount of time it's personal preference but i'll show you what's one thing that really helps me a lot because there is I think an experience that a lot of ultra runners have is when they drink a lot of fluids, they get this like sloshing feeling in their stomach. I know I've gotten that many, many times. And I also have found this one strategy to help me to prevent the sloshing, but also any other GI issues that might come because the reality is so we won't get too deep into GI issues, but one of the things that your stomach does is it it basically like clears itself. And through that like gastro clearing process, that is um, one of the ways where it helps things to move along into your um, digestive system a lot better. And ultimately, um, when that clearing process can't keep up with the amount of stuff you're bringing in, that's where you can get GI stuff. So if you're just like totally hounding down food and totally hounding down water, like all at once, it's going to get overwhelmed. And then that's, that's why sometimes, you know, at Thanksgiving, or you're eating a big dinner, um, you can feel like really sick is because your stomach doesn't have the capacity to start clearing. Now you can increase the ability for your stomach to clearing when you drink after you eat. So like, for example, for me, my nutrition strategy, and this episode's beyond that, but my nutrition strategy is I take in about um, 100 calories every 12 minutes or so. 100 calories every 12 minutes and I take 400 an hour. Um, so with that, um, every time I'm taking in some calories, whether it's like a gel or like actual food, um, I will actually go ahead and drink right after that just to not only make sure that I'm getting in the hydration along with my time nutrition strategy, but it helps me to reduce any GI issues. Now, recently I've really condensed this process because now I take in liquid calories and liquid calories is something that I highly suggest that everybody at least try in their nutrition strategy. I'm not saying that it is, um, you know, a must by any means, but 
the reason why I love liquid calories and why it pertains to hydration and nutrition a lot better is because usually with nutrition, you kind of have like a timed strategy. And when you have that time strategy, you don't have to battle two different time strategies of having my hydration and then also having my calories. You get to condense it all into one step by having not only your hydration through the liquid of the calories, but also the carbohydrates that come along with it. And usually a lot of the liquid calorie um, uh, products that are out there have a lot of sodium in there. So you really kill three birds with one stone by doing liquid calories. So for me, and again, by the way, I'm not sponsored by any nutrition brand and I'm not suggesting one product over and over there because product um, with nutrition is very, very um, individualized. Um, but I've been using um, Scratch Super High Carb Mix. Now what this is, it's 400 milligrams uh, per serving, 100 grams of carbs, 400 milligrams of sodium, and usually I put that all serving into a... Um, a 21 ounce uh, handheld and I take about one of those every single hour um, on top of additional fluids that I'm drinking in on top of that because I don't just take in 21 ounces but I also take on other um, water as well and for me the way that I kind of do it is that I um, because all of my calories aren't in liquid um, just to match the strategies kind of easier is I tell myself every 12 minutes you know take a swig that's going to amount to about 100 calories and then also palate cleanse with a clean water bottle that I have as well. Um, so that way I kind of have a strategy where I'm just doing it all and the liquid calories, you know, makes it easy. So I don't have to like eat and then drink and then eat and then drink and then have all this stuff in there as well. So it really helps to condense that process. So liquid calories is really, really great as well, especially if you're like drinking a lot. Um, if you're drinking a lot of water and then you add on like solid food, um, that can, it's a bigger risk for GI issues cause your stomach's not going to be able to clear it out as much. Much. So um, if you are a heavy like liquid drinker when you are on the trails or in your races, I highly suggest checking out liquid calories. And Scratch isn't the only one to try. There's also Tailwind. There's Gatorade Endurance. There is um, Goo Roctane. Like there's so many brands out there. Um, so I would just pick and choose um, which ones best works for you from a terms of taste and gut perspective and just try it out on your runs. Now, um, as you might have noticed, like I'm taking in about, you know, a thousand ish milligrams of sodium an hour and one serving of that only has 400 milligrams so I also supplement with salt pills that I take every single hour so every single hour I take additional salt pills on top of the bottle that I drink, which gives me around 1,000 to 1,200 milligrams of sodium an hour, depending on uh, how hot in the day it is. If it is hotter, I'm going 1,200 milligrams, but I would always just make sure you're supplementing your salt um, on top of your liquid calories if that's how you are consuming your calories as well. Um, so... Um, I suggest at least trying liquid calories because it's great on the stomach. It makes the process a lot more efficient. Um, and ultimately, it'll have you less things to think about. Um, as I suggested, I think, um, you know, I suggested this uh, in a nutrition episode a while back that I need to redo an update. But when you like condense the processes, it gives your brain a lot less things to think about. And ultimately, um, it's going to lead you to stay more diligent on your hydration and electrolyte um, process on top of your nutrition process as well. Um, so that's kind of like another one-off tip that I've really kind of gone with is like, when do you drink? Um, I would say like tie up when you drink to when you eat. And if you are eating only at like every top of the hour, um, I would say 
drink in a way where you're spacing it out so you don't get that sloshing feeling in your stomach, right? Because if you just go to an aid station at the end of the hour and you just chug your entire water, you're going to get that sloshing stomach. You might get some GI issues. I always like to spread out how I'm drinking that. So that goes in terms of my calorie strategies to not making things too confusing. But let's just say I had a strategy where I was intaking calories every single top of the hour. I would actually be um, taking in about a, a quarter of my water intake every 15 minutes um, just so I can space it out and then also give my stomach the liquids it needs to start clearing it out and all that stuff. So that's kind of another strategy on there that really, really helps um, a ton when it comes to um, hydration and electrolyte strategy. Um, the last thing I'll kind of mention is like what kind of apparatus should you use? Should you use a bladder? Should you use um, handhelds? Um, for me, I, like I really depend it on the actual, you know, race um race aid stations, right? So if I know that I can carry water in two handhelds, that's going to give me like, so two handhelds for me, like, um, per hour is, is, is enough. And that's what I try and go for. Um, if I, I know that I can get that in an hour before the next aid station refilled, I will take the handhelds. Um, however, if I'm on a training run and I know I'm going a big loop and I have to carry a lot of water, I will carry a bladder. Um, very rarely do, um, I carry a bladder in races, but that's because I tend to move a little faster. If you're moving a little slower or if you're hiking a lot or if you're doing these 200 mile races, um, which if I do a 200 mile race, I will wear a bladder. Um, I, then I would wear a bladder just to make sure I'm having more water, especially like a two or three liter capacity. I know at Cocodona, they require some absurd amount of liters to carry on that first section. I want to say it's like four liters or something. I, I don't take my word on that. Um, but yeah, you're going to need a bladder and, you know, maybe some soft flasks as well, um, which are another great option is soft flasks. So like, I guess to bring this tip into a head is like, which one should you use? I say base your capacity that you need of water on your training runs, first and foremost, check water availability, um, and then um, kind of plan accordingly. Now, what's super cool is they have, um, and this also goes for races as well, you can use this, they have, um, you know, filtered water bottles where if you go to a water source, you can scoop it up and you can drink directly out of it and it filters the water. Um, I use one by Katadin. Um, oh, man, I forgot the, the actual name of the thing. I'm going to look it up here right now. It's like the Katadin... I should have written this down here. Katahdin, uh, water filter. Oh yeah. Katahdin be free. So it's like a one liter, um, soft flask. And I will take that on like adventure runs or if I'm going on a long run in Colorado or a long run where I know there's going to be water to filter, I will take that with me because then I can just take handhelds and I can ultimately like keep filtering my water, which is great as well. So I love that. And you can use that on races as well. Um, and I always suggest having those in races, um, where, you know, there's going to be water and you're going to be traveling long amounts of time between aid station because you always want to plan for the worst because sometimes you might take a ton of water and then totally misgauge either your speed or, or something happens and you run out of water like you want to be able to have that extra filter um, to have on there um, so that is something that I totally suggest having as well um, which could be used in your toolkit but Anyways, I got a little bit of a tangent there, but what I was saying was look at your training runs, look at water availability on the course if it's an aid station, or sorry, on the aid stations if it's a course, um, or if it's a long training run, look to see if there's any flowing water that you could filter out, and then um, just kind of make mental notes of saying, okay, 
um, I'm probably going to go at maybe like an 11 or 12 minute pace and that's going to get me here at this time and I'm going to finish the loop here and I know I'm going to get these water spots. Um, be strategic with it because you want to kind of balance between like not bringing so much water where you're dragging yourself down but bringing um, you know enough water to sustain you and so um, always look at those things and map it out and then I guess in terms of the apparatus to really bring the um, whole tip into a head is like which one should you use? I say be fluid with the situation, map it out. If you have a filter, great. Um, put that into your consideration. Like for example, if I do a long run here in Phoenix on a loop, um, I mentioned the Havelina hundred course. It's a 15 mile loop. That's just in the middle of nowhere. There's no flowing water cause it's the middle of the desert. Um, I'm usually carrying a 1.5 liter bladder and then I'm carrying two uh, handhelds with me. Um, so it's a lot of water and I even carry a soft flask with me too. Um, but that's more just a topical cool, but I would drink that. God forbid something happened where, you know, I get stranded out there or whatever, knock on wood. Right. Um, but you want to make sure that, you know, you're being fluid with the situation and I'd say no apparatus is, um, better than the other. It just depends on your situation. And the last thing I will say, um, for a tip is, um, it's always better to bring a little bit more water, especially in the summer months and like the winter months or when it's a little colder, you don't have to as well, uh, have to like be as cautious with it. But I always say it's definitely better to bring more than less because God forbid something happens to you and you're behind. Um, for whatever reason, you at least have an extra supply of water to get you through that extra time that you didn't account for. So there is that as well. Um, the last thing I will mention too, uh, I should say the last tip I'll share is that when it starts to get into the cooler months, I know right now it's September, so we're getting into fall and potentially winter, is when you're running in the cold temperatures it's going to feel like you're not sweating because you're cold and like you know all that stuff but you're still sweating and you still need to hydrate so i would say you don't have to hydrate as much as if you are running in the summer running in extreme hot heat definitely not but definitely still have a hydration plan even on your training runs when you are going out there even when it's cold and you're going to feel like you don't need to drink but i'm telling you it's going to save you some bonking it's going to help you to recover better and so that's just one thing you need to be mindful of is be diligent on your hydration strategy you know when you're going into the um, cold weather as well like that's just something to keep in mind because I I remember I when I was training for Black Canyon uh, this was dumb but I did like a 25 mile stretch and it was February here in Arizona and I did it early in the morning so it was like it was low 30s when it's uh, or sorry not low 30s high 30s um, when it first uh, started in the morning and it was chilly. And I was like, oh, it's going to be cold. I'm not going to need water. And I carried two handholds for me for 25 miles. And that was so dumb. Like I got so dehydrated at the end. Like I just felt terrible. And it's interesting because I never felt like hot or thirsty throughout. But like at the end, I, I felt worked. Um, and I didn't even go at like a blistering pace. And that's when I realized, oh man, I really need to continue to have a good hydration strategy, even when it's cold out. And so uh, same goes for everybody here as well. Do not um, discount the need for that as well. All right, everybody. Well, that should give you everything you need to button up your hydration and nutrition strategy. If you do have any questions following up from this or something I didn't cover in here that you want me to shed light on, please shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm at Joe Corsione. Always happy to help as well. Or you can shoot me an email too, everydayultrapodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to be here and be of service and answer your questions. So know that you um, have that av av available and I'm here to answer your questions and support you. 
And then also too, if you want more um, training trip tips, training trips, everyone wants more training trips, right? If you want more training tips um, to help you be a better endurance athlete in your training and your racing, uh, sign up for the Everyday Ultra newsletter. It's completely for free. Um, and you can go to the link in the show notes to sign up for that. And we're going to be dropping that every single week, giving you more tips to level up your training and your racing in the ultra world. So hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want any more topics that you want me to cover on these solo cast episodes, and I'm going to be doing a lot more of them lately, um, please, 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 please let me know. And I want to make this show as valuable as possible to you. So thank you so much for listening to my friends. I appreciate you. And remember, be a better endurance athlete every day. And hey, stay hydrated out there. Stay hydrated out there, right? If Ron Burgundy was giving this outro, he'd say, stay hydrated, San Diego, right? Something like that. All right. I really need to go now. Okay. See y'all. Appreciate ya. See you soon.